The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Listen, they're all around you, close as a thought or a memory. Messages of hope. Messages of Well, hi everybody. Oh, we have quite the show for you today. Uh, get to that in just a minute, but I want to just remind everybody that this Sunday, if you're listening live, this Sunday, December 20th, 3 o'clock Eastern Time, I'm going to be channeling my guide, Sanaya, live on YouTube for all of you, my Christmas present to everyone. I haven't done a channeling session in about two months, I think, and it's time, and they'll be answering a few questions, but uh, their message, I'm sure, will be filled with love and hope. I never know what they're going to talk about until they come <laughs> through me. So you can actually witness that, be live to that energy. Go to my Facebook page right at the top. The top post tells will have the link also on my website on the events page. Just scroll, scroll down to December 20th and make sure you check your time zone. So Sunday, 3 o'clock Eastern time. The link is right there, and that's the same link you'll use on Sunday to join us live. Okay. I was just sitting here thinking about holidays and listening to that theme song about messages of hope and how the spirit world is real and they're all around us. And this morning, as I was getting ready to do a reading, which went so beautiful and I beautifully, I was grateful for the connection. But beforehand, my guide, uh, Brenda, dropped in and I said, hey, Brenda, tell me what's going on with Lynette. And you know that stinker? showed me what Lynette was getting me for Christmas. <laughs> Spoiler alert, she should have said. Well, let's get to the task at hand here today. My guest is Mary Langford. She's played a lot of roles in her life. I'm, I'm not going to go into her whole biography, but she's been a court reporter, an actress, a stand-up comedian, a celebrity personal assistant, a writer. We're going to talk about a little bit of that, but it's what happened in the reading I gave to Mary that, and what happened afterwards that is going to be this, the main subject we focus on. I first became acquainted with Mary when I was asked to contribute a chapter to a book called Loss, Survive, Thrive by Meryl Hershey Beck, who collected stories of bereaved parents sharing their stories of healing. And I was privileged to and honored to contribute a chapter about dealing with the passing of our daughter, Susan. Now, Meryl hired Mary Langford to edit that book. And so Mary reached out to me and we spoke on the phone several times and emailed back and forth over a period of several months, 
during the editing of that book. I was so impressed with Mary. She's bright, sunny, cheerful, intelligent, an excellent writer, funny. I think I said that already. We just had a really nice <laughs> interaction, but I had never met her. And she went on my read waiting list for a reading, and then I just forgot about it. So it was just a few months ago, Ty and I were out for a morning exercise out on a walk, and suddenly I had a premonition about that day's reading. And I walked up to Ty, and I said, Ty, mark my words, my client today for the reading that I'm doing later today, suffered sexual abuse. I know it from an image that just came into my mind. I'm not tuned in yet, but I know it. So when I went mm -hmm. home and looked at the calendar to see who my client is, because my assistant Lynette schedules my readings, I was shocked. And I said, well, I don't think it's today because that's Mary Langford. And I just somehow made an assumption that the personality didn't go with the abuse that I was already sensing. And so I thought, well, that's probably for tomorrow. And when Mary came on the screen, it, it was really nice to meet her face to face in a Zoom room for the first time. And I just, again, had this feeling, well, that premonition must have been for tomorrow. And it turns out it wasn't. So before I give too much more away, I do want to just tell all of you, we are going to get into some very touchy subjects today. But we're doing it because of the lessons of healing that resulted and for the lessons that hopefully some of you will come to learn about the afterlife and how we can heal and how those across the veil are helping us to heal. So Mary, that was a long intro, but thank you so much for coming <laughs> on the show. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So I, I, I'm remembering that reading and I'm remembering certain loved ones showing up and being so surprised and not making any assumptions, but all of a sudden you just know when there is sexual abuse. And I don't know how much we want to get into here, but I guess the, my first question that comes to mind is, <laughs> what did you hope to achieve when you asked for a reading with me? I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it was like, you know, I've been having readings of one sort or another probably since my 20s. And I thought, oh, I, you know, Suzanne, of course, I read your bio and then I got to know you and got to know your story intimately as we were working on editing your story. And um, so I thought, you know, she's got a three-year waiting list. I might as well get on it, <laughs> you know. And I'm like, when it comes time to do my reading, I'm sure something will pop up. And Suzanne asked me at the top of the reading, you know, do you have an intention you want to set? And I said, nope. <laughs> I just want to get started and see who shows up. So, Yeah, and I don't know how amazing. you got to the top of the list. Something, I think something you must have said to Lynette, and, and we had an opening and she put you in it. But I'm, I was not privy to all of that. So you yeah. had had other readings? Oh, yeah. Not necessarily yeah. with mediums. I'd had psychic readings off and on my whole life. In fact, I don't think I ever really had a reading with the medium. I did have an experience at a Helping Parents Heal event that I was invited to because um, an author whose whole book I was editing is a member of Helping Parents Heal in Phoenix, and she was giving a talk, and she asked me, you know, we worked very closely together when I edit anybody's story or whole book, and she said, you know, and I was going back and forth to Phoenix a lot because I had two other clients in, in Phoenix and Tucson. And so she said, you know, is there any way I can get you to come hear me give this presentation? It would mean so much. And I go, oh, heck yeah. I have a place to stay in Phoenix 
you know, I'd love to come out and hear you speak. So when I was there, you know, I don't know if the listeners know this, but helping parents heal, the majority of that people in the group, probably all of them, um, believe that they can connect with their loved ones um, on the other side. And a lot of people in that group are parents who have lost children. In fact, I just want to say this, the subtitle of Meryl's book, the title is Lost, Survive, Thrive, but the subtitle is Bereaved Parents Share Their Stories of Healing and Hope. And in that book, there were 27 stories of parents who had lost a child. Um, So this medium comes up to me at the event, and mediums aren't members usually, but they're invited to come in and they can give messages or whatever. And this one woman came up to me and said, I was talking to someone and she goes, excuse me, I'm a medium and I just got a message for you (laughs) from your (laughs) unborn child. And then she gave me this beautiful message and it was, (laughs) I just was blown away. Um, So yeah, that was pretty magical. Yeah. So so you have this meeting reading with me and I'm not, expecting mm-hmm. anything and you really don't have any expectations why don't you share what you feel needs to be shared today about what happened in the reading so um my abuse happened began when i was seven and it didn't end until the time i was 14 and i had two perpetrators one with my dad what i always used to say is well he only he only got me three or four times <laughs> minimize that because my uncle, who is my dad's brother-in-law, so they weren't blood-related, and he wasn't blood-related to me either. But my uncle first, I think the first person to show up was my dad. And Suzanne said, well, his soul, she's like, hmm, this is interesting. I'm like, what? She said, well, his soul has already been wiped clean. I said, well, what does that mean exactly? And I'm going to paraphrase Suzanne. I hope I say this correctly. But she said, you know, when he got to the other side, he learned enough lessons and he expressed enough sorrow and remorse about certain events in his life. And he's been given, you know, a clean soul. I believe the way what my recollection, I'd have to go back and watch the video is that he was like repatterned. It was, wasn't he cocoon sort of? You did say that. No, no, no. That was my uncle. Mm. That was my uncle. Okay. Yeah. So my dad, I mean, he was saying, he just kept saying how sorry he was. And he, he said one thing that was so profound. He said he didn't blame me if I wouldn't want to see him on the other side. But he mm. would love to see me, but he would completely understand because what he did was awful. And part of what happened is I told my dad when I was 11 what was going on with my uncle. And my dad came back to me and said, you know, <laughs> I think this is so silly what my dad said. But he said, you know, I need to speak to your uncle because you can't convict a man without a jury trial, which I think is such an odd thing to say. And he came back to me and he said, well, your uncle assures me that maybe he brushed up against your breast, but that's it. Nothing else happened. And so the abuse continued for three more years. And my dad turned a blind eye, so to speak, to what was going on. And then he went blind in his eye as he got older which mm-hmm. I found to be really interesting. So this is, is what he was so sorry about. Yeah. And then my uncle, this was so interesting to me. When he showed up, he was cocooned. And Suzanne said, it's almost like the way she described it. She didn't use this word, but the way she described it to me. I've been in Egypt and I've seen mummies. And it, to me, it was like, he looked like a mummy, except that his face was visible. And she said, he's been silenced. And I, I love this part. She said, 
since he passed, which was, I don't know, maybe three, four years ago, she said since he passed, um, he has been surrounded by angels who minister love to him, but part of his Part of his life review has been to, con- he was a pedophile, like with a capital P, although none of us knew that at the time. And um, she said, Suzanne said, Spirit told her this, that part of, his, part of his experience on the other side was that he was to watch and observe the lives of all the children who he had abused. And I, it just wasn't limited to girls. Um, and so this was kind of his, I don't like to use the word penance. It's a religious word. I, I don't mm-hmm. think that's even an appropriate word. But this was his, this was the way it's been since he passed. And mm-hmm. I really like that. He was to observe and listen, but he was not allowed to speak. So, so we got evidence about him. Safe. And that's what always convinces me to trust what's coming through. There was definitely evidence. You knew this was your uncle. And then oh, your yeah. that same unborn child who the other medium you mentioned brought up yeah. came through in the reading. And then another yeah. young man who was quite important yeah. to you. Let me just say a little something about the abuse, if I could. Um, okay. Hang on, I'm just going to mute because I have to cough. <laughs> hang on. All right. So um, the abuse didn't stop. The abuse stopped when I was 14 only because I was pregnant by my uncle. And my mom and dad were very conflicted about what to do. They're both very anti-abortion. But my dad was like, well, he's not a blood relative, so it's okay if she has the baby and she can give it up, you know. And my mom was like, oh, no, that's her uncle's child. Why? Essentially rape. And I'm not going to let my child go through nine months of carrying this baby from her uncle. I'm never going to do that. And so it took them a while to agree on how to handle this. And I was it, abortions weren't legal you were 14, in Ohio right? at that time. I was 14. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what happened uh, in the reading was so beautiful. Suzanne said, oh, this is extraordinary. I said, what? And she said, your unborn child is hugging your uterus and hugging you. And the other medium in Phoenix had told me the exact same thing, um, <laughs> that this is a very uncommon occurrence. That this, and what I learned either after my reading with Suzanne or from this other medium, was that actually I think it was revealed to me uh, after the reading because the reading opened up so many doors for me, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But um, what was revealed to me is that that soul knew when she came in that she was never going to be birthed, so to speak. She would never be born through my body. And she knew this. She knew she would be terminated. But she came to me for two reasons. One was because she needed unconditional love. And she knew that I was such a loving person that even though I was pregnant by my uncle's child, that I would love her unconditionally. That is absolutely true. And then what I also learned is that she also came to me because I needed unconditional love. And she was able to give that to me. So that was very healing for both of us, that experience during my reading with Suzanne. That was Mm. profound. It's interesting as I listen to this objectively, when I I was just reporting the information and making sure that it was done in a way that would not harm you. But, you know, listening to this, there's no way you could be harmed anymore. But just reporting the facts as they were shown to me, 
And then the guides showed what they wanted you to do. Your guides actually came in and gave you a prescription for healing after the session. They did. But can we can we talk about the other spirits that Please. showed up? Can we Please. do that first? Yeah. All right. So, all right. So that whole thing happened with the unborn child. Then my mom came in and my mom was very, very remorseful. And I've heard from, I had a, a friend, we're not close friends at all anymore, but we were very close friends for about a year and we actually grew up together. And she told me that my mom, she said, every time I tap into your mom on the other side, she can't stop sobbing. She just keeps saying, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. So what my mom said, or what spirit revealed to me, I don't think this came, I don't think this was verbally acknowledged between Suzanne and I, but what my mom felt so horrible about, what she said was she didn't understand the level of what had happened. And had she understood, she probably would have intervened more. And my mom, um, <laughs> so I'll get to more about that later. So the next spirit that showed up, so it's Uncle Dennis, my dad, my mom, the unborn child. The next one who showed up was this guy, Jerry Kleeman. I loved this boy since I was in the first grade. I remember I saw him in on playground. He was in second grade. And I said, oh, my God, I'm going to marry that boy. I love that boy already. I'm going to marry him. So when I got to be in the eighth grade, the summer between eighth grade and freshman year, he became my boyfriend. And we broke up briefly because he got back together with this girl named Michelle. You can tell I don't know. It still bothers me. But he was Michelle's boyfriend since they were in the fourth grade. She was a year older than me. And when they finally broke up, that's when he came to me. And um, I loved him. I, I joke about this, but see, I know this boy is my husband in spirit. We've been husband and wife through lifetime upon lifetime upon lifetime. And so, um, so Jerry was my first kiss. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was August 19th, 1971 on Joni Let's... Robinson's side yard next to rose bushes. And uh, it was just so pure. And what was so important to me about him is this is the first time a male touched touched me, kissed me, held my face, loved me, told me he loved me. Uh, this was my first positive experience with a male. And if I could just our, interrupt, what's, what's amazing yeah. to me is I'm not privy to any of this except in the moment, in the reading, and the, the energy, the different vibration when he stepped in was just so apparent between we're, we're dealing with these people performing truly horrid acts and then all of a sudden here's this very young person who comes in with oh, yeah. a very loving energy very different vibrant and so it's just phenomenal how the stories played out well and even the across the veil Suzanne was very apparent the love between us that I had for him and that he had for me so two funny things happened um, Suzanne, off and on, while he was coming through, she'd go, oh, he keeps trying to show me something. He's got something in his hand. It, it looks like a bug. Is it a spider? Hmm. No, it's not a spider. And then she kind of let that go and went on to something else. And she said, oh, Mary, he's getting down on one knee. Oh, like as if he were proposing to me. And he said to Suzanne, I would have married her. I would have married her. 
Um, but he died when he was 16. And he said, you know, we wouldn't have had much, but we'd have been really happy. And Suzanne said he always wanted five children. And I said, I always wanted four. We probably would have argued about that. But anyway, he just kept saying, tell Mary, you know, how much I love her, that I've always loved her, that I still love her. And had I lived longer, I would have married her. But what he also revealed during that reading, because I'm also very intuitive. So while Suzanne's telling me things, I'm also getting information of my own. And so this is basically what he said. And I think I asked Suzanne to confirm this for me. But what he said, he was very aware of his soul. And he was very aware of his purpose. And he said, um, he said, you know, I had two choices. My soul had two choices. I could either live the rest of my life and be married to you and have a happy life and kids, or I could go out. He was shot and killed by a good friend of his in a very bizarre way. We all think it was deliberate. Um, there's been some speculation. And I, oh, but Suzanne described to me exactly how it happened. And that's what I always knew in my heart, that this is what happened. And so um, there were like five boys. They were, there was this TV show. <laughs> I'm I think we need to move eight, forward eight. from this because there's so much more to go okay. into, Mary, if you don't mind. Okay. All right. So I just want to say, he was explaining that, um, yeah, that's probably not a good thing to go into anyway, but he was explaining that he knew that if he went out at 16, he was so loved by everybody that that would impact a lot of families because when a 16-year-old kid dies unexpectedly, everyone else loves on their kids. You know, kids they may have taken for granted, all of a sudden they sweep into their hearts. So he knew that his death at that age would impact probably, and I'm not exaggerating, probably thousands of lives. And that's why he chose to do what he did. And then, Suzanne, I was listening to a recorded a recording of you yesterday, and you were talking about various, people have various, exit points where they get to choose oh this is a window i could exit here at and the that soul level at the soul level so mm -hmm. much yeah at the soul level mm -hmm. yeah that was yeah. magical and then the next soul who showed up that was very healing oh and the bug she finally she goes oh it's a beetle like a b-e-e-t-l-e -E -E. and i burst mm -hmm. out laughing when he was when he got when he died he was uh he just was in driver's ed and he was about to get his license and his older sister had a volkswagen beetle and he <laughs> always wanted to be a cop he always wanted to be a cop and he would sit in a car he would hold something long before cell phones and he would hold something i don't know what he had in his hand cigarette light or something and he'd go his last name was cleman he'd go cleman to station Claim in a station, come in station. And I didn't know this. His mom told me this after he passed. But so the fact that he was showing Susanna Beetle was even more evidence that it was really legitimately him, which I never doubted. But, you know, it was so cool to get that too. And then the last spirit to show up, oh, one of the loves of my life. I had the great privilege of working with the New York Times bestselling author, Sidney Sheldon, for about five years. And he also, he wrote 25 major motion pictures, six Broadway And, and shows, I want to tell everybody that I knew Mary had time. worked for Sidney Sheldon. He was one of my favorite authors and he even produced some mm -hmm. sitcoms that I loved, loved, loved. Wasn't he like oh, yeah. um, I, I Dream, Dream of Jeannie, Jeannie, right? Yeah, Dream of Jeannie, yeah. Patty Duke, yeah. and Heart to Heart. He created all three of those shows. And I knew and you were his personal it. assistant, and I thought, let me make no yeah. assumptions. And he came in, and he showed me things about him that I could not have possibly known, including the little kind of briefcase that he carried and things he said about oh, yeah. you. Yeah, fascinating. Oh, yeah, it was a satchel. She said, oh, 
it's leather and it's got like two straps with buckles. I go, yep, that's what he always took when he was going. Like he had a home in Palm Springs and a home in L.A. and about two hours apart. And he always took his satchel with him, filled with paper and notes. So he just wrote constantly. So uh, we are going to we, we have so much to cover, Marion, and this we, okay. we only have three minutes till the break. So, and really, I wanted to, it goes just like that. (laughs) I need to talk about the healing that happened. So before we get to the break, will you tell everybody the advice that came through for you about how to heal yourself from the trauma of the abuse that was revealed in the reading? And then we're going to come back and talk about how you did that and the effect of that since the reading. So the, the um, homework assignment, and Spirit was very, I said this was urgent. I either had to do it that day or the next, but it was urgent. She didn't kept telling me that. They said I was to yell and scream and holler and cry at my dad and at my uncle as if they were here in person. And I did that. And what happened as a result of doing that was profound. And, yeah, I'll talk about the, about the results of that after the break. But they were very clear that you were to go into a special room and know that they would be there because they had shown their presence here and they were ready to hear what you had to share with them real and live time. I thought this is going to be fascinating. And what I was really proud of you because you told me later after you did it, you had the foresight to ask for somebody who had helped you with counseling to be present on Zoom or on the computer while you did this. She was my body talk practitioner, and so I had the computer facing out so she could witness it. And what was really cool is after the reading, then she helped me process what had come up during the reading. Um, So that was, you know, that was just a beautiful thing. And I did have the foresight to do that, and I'm so grateful that I did. And so you described to me, we have less than a minute now, but really (laughs) saying everything that that you'd been holding inside you for decades and just lighting into them with curse words and screaming and crying and just (laughs) the the guides showed me like a Rayovac battery with you. You had all these charges just coming off of you that had yet to be released. And they said, you must release this. And these gentlemen are, are are ready to hear it and it's actually going to cause the healing of the whole energy field. So I could just picture what you were doing was just sending out all that energy that had been pent up for years. Well, Suzanne said it was like a pressure cooker and that I had done work and work and work and the spirit wanted to acknowledge everything I had done for 30 years getting to this point because I have been purposely trying to heal it for 30 years. And she said, it's like a pressure cooker. There's a last little bit of steam that needs to come out, but it's going to explode when you do this homework. All Mm -hmm. right. So I hope you'll all come back for the break because her healing has been miraculous and what she's doing now is fantastic. So we're with Mary (laughs) Langford and we'll be back after the break. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, 
a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Well, hi, everybody. We're talking with Mary Langford, and I, I, I thought this was an important topic to talk about. Mary suffered severe sexual abuse as a child. It came out in her reading, even though outward appearances, she was, you know, just bright, cheerful, funny, and had all of these things happen to her that I certainly did not know until they came out in the reading. And I know that there are a lot of people that carry a lot of trauma, and it was just phenomenal, the healing that happened after the reading. And so we're going to talk about that. And what's so phenomenal about it is that once Mary knew that the perpetrators of this abuse were truly still existing as they're playing out their roles as souls across the veil and we're going to be part of her healing. This is just tremendous to me. I will tell you that we have really downplayed the abuse. So much more came out in the reading, but I really didn't want to go there. I didn't feel it was necessary, but it was horrendous. So Mary, if you could just uh, give us the sanitized version of what you did in that healing session that the guides guided to you and then what happened afterwards. Absolutely. So, um, so the homework was to yell, like we already said, it was yell and scream and cry and holler. And then Suzanne actually said yell and scream and cry and holler more, you know, until you're done. So I picked, I went into this room. I have this great big tall standing and it's my safe place in my home. I I need to just Um, interrupt a second and, and make it very clear. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a therapist. I was reporting directly from her guides instructions. So, oh yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Thank you for clarifying that. But it was super clear to me that this was instruction from spirit because it was so profound and it was so right on. So I picked. I have two lamps in that room. One's a big, tall, floor-to-ceiling standing lamp, and uh, that was my dad. Right. So I start yelling and screaming, and he just took it. You know that saying I don't necessarily love it but take it like a man and that's what he was doing and then and he would just let me go and vet and then he would say I know I know I am so sorry I am so sorry you know and his feeling was if I never forgave him he would understand and that's what he communicated to me so I did it until I was complete and I knew the second I was complete and he said I love you Mary I, he used to call me Mary Rose sometimes. He's, I love you, Mary Rose. I said, I love you too, Daddy. And I go, so hang on a minute. i got to go deal with Uncle Dennis over in this other corner. And that <laughs> other lamp was really short. And he tried slinking away. I saw his spirit trying to leave. And I go, you get back here, you expletive. You get back here, you know. And he <laughs> came back. And I screamed and hollered and said everything I ever wanted to say to him. And you know, lots of stuff I don't need to go in here because we don't have enough time. But 
Oh, so can I speak now about what happened afterwards? Oh, please. Suzanne? Yeah, okay. go for it. So, so what happened afterwards? I came walking out of my spare room. I went into my kitchen and I said to myself, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's over. Not only is it over, it doesn't matter anymore. And it no longer exists. Those are the words I kept hearing. It no longer exists. So it's completely gone from my energy field and completely gone from my body. That was so profound. And, you know, okay, go ahead, Suzanne. No, I just got goosebumps. It's like you just dropped the story is what you said to me later. You dropped the story. Yeah, I did. I dropped the story from and it no longer mattered. And what's so cool, what you don't know, Suzanne, I have not been like in direct communication with my mom and dad until right before I was getting on the show. And they both showed up and they said, we're here. We're here to support you. Oh, and this is the other thing they said in the reading in spirit. They said that um, they would love to communicate with me moving forward, but they would understand if I never wanted to have anything to do with either of them. And so today, half hour before the program, they both showed up and said they loved me very much. And on the spirit side, like when they were alive, they never would have thought any of this was valid. But they said on the spirit side, they know mediumship is valid. And they know that I was really connected to them in that reading and stuff. And it feels so lovely to have them right here with me in my living room, you know. Actually, they showed up stunning. in my bedroom stunning. closet. <laughs> It is. And, you know, I teach mediums that we serve those in spirit, too. And those souls were still acting out roles through the story of your parents. And there was the potential for that aspect of that soul to also return to wholeness, even though the story and physical body was over. And through your forgiveness of them, you allowed that healing. Yeah, it's extraordinary. And one, one thing, okay, so people, you know, and the reason I'm coming on the radio and sharing this, I just want to get the message to the whole world. There is nothing unhealable, period. My sexual abuse was severe, as Suzanne said. It was ritualistic. It was horrific. And it's so interesting because in the reading, she didn't want to tell me. And at one point she turned, the first thing she said was, oh, I'm sorry, this was sexual abuse. <laughs> Her voice kind of lowered, and I go, oh, I know that. I've known that for 30 years. I didn't remember any of it until I was 32 and two years sober from alcoholism. Then all the memories come flooding back. Um, but uh, and what I understand is if you don't remember it, it's because your psyche is not able to handle it. And then when you remember it, I just felt like it was such a compliment from spirit. Oh, you're strong enough and healed enough that you can hear this now. And uh, so at one point, Suzanne says, oh, I'm so sorry. This, this looks like ritual abuse. And I go, it was. And I've known that. Thank you for confirming that. Because that's the one detail I wasn't 100% sure about. I was maybe 80% sure. And after Suzanne said that to me, I'm like, ding, ding, ding. Thank you. That's confirmation. Hmm. So, you know, none of this matters anymore. And, and to, anyone, to anyone who's still suffering from this, please understand that it's healable. It, and mediumship is a beautiful way to heal it. I mean, this this last remnant, like uh, Spirit told Suzanne, the idea of the pressure cooker, I'm sure there are people on the call who have gotten to a certain part in psychotherapy and gestalt and different stuff, and you feel like, oh, I bet I'll never. And people will try to tell you, 
It's like they say, you'll never get over the loss of a child. Well, they also say, oh, you can never recover from that. I'm like, oh, yes, you can, because mm. I did, and I'm living proof. You know, it doesn't matter. I've dropped this story. It no longer exists. I'm Not only did you drop the story, but effortlessly dropped weight. Yeah. Tell, oh, yeah. Us, tell us about that, because that's stunning to me. Oh, this is crazy. So I had my reading with Suzanne on July 26th. And on August 30th, I, had a, I took a selfie. When Suzanne saw my selfie, when I submitted it for the radio show so she could have it online, she's like, oh, my God, you're practically unrecognizable. I said, yeah, that's because, okay, so that was, that was just about four weeks apart. Yeah. I was a size 2X when I had my reading, a size 2X in the top, a size 2X in the bottom, 18 to 20. It was within two weeks after my reading with Suzanne. I start dropping weight like you can't believe. And now my tops are like large and extra large. And my bottom, like I have three pair of fitness pants, like Nike workout pants, extra large. And I'm getting like I'm in a 16. Um, my goal is to get lower than that. But, you know, it's like the whole configuration of my body shifted. And I Because say, there was nothing I'm, that you weren't hiding behind anything. It just, you didn't even go on a diet, right? It's just. No, I didn't go on a diet. It just started falling off of me. And I had been on diets for so long and never successful for any longer than like a year. Um, And that's what was so extraordinary. You healed from the inside, the inside out. From the inside. It was such a profound healing. And here's the thing. I no longer needed the excess weight for protection. I never. And I always used to say to people, they thought it was nuts. I'd say, this isn't my weight that I'm carrying around. It doesn't belong to me. It's not mine. It belongs to someone else. It's not me. Huh. And boy, did that prove true after that reading. I mean, I would email Suzanne. You'll never guess what happened, you know. Yeah. Ah, so it's just, it's, I keep using the word extraordinary. I can also say magnificent, you know. What's that huh. word? Stupendous. I mean, it's all those things. I'm just so excited. I am so excited about life. I just feel like nothing, there's nothing right now that's un, a, unattainable for me. Because Anybody else have goosebumps? Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and Suzanne doesn't even know this, but I made a big decision to go. I'm going to this school called the Celebrant Institute. And we learn to celebrate everything in life. We stay from womb to tomb. <laughs> so it's just so cool. I can't even begin to explain it. But the short version is, if you have something to celebrate, bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah, engagement, wedding anniversary, we interview all the people in your life. And then we write a speech about it. And then we get to give it at your event. And it marries my two favorite things. So writing, public speaking, and celebrating people. I've never been so excited about anything in my whole life in terms of my future. So you're living your passion. Living my passion left and right and left and right and left and right. <laughs> and I, you know, I feel like the Energizer Bunny sometimes, you know. Actually, this is a strange analogy, but I, I say this sometimes. I feel like a monkey on crack, you know, because <laughs> I'm like, I'm just jumping around with all this enthusiasm and excitement, but it's because I love my life so much. I love and, who and, I am. And so let's it's, touch on something else that many people don't want to talk about, don't want to touch. But in the reading, suddenly I was shown that you had 
we haven't even talked about mental illness, but you had had a psychotic break and had had mental illness. And you just very matter-of-factly said, oh, yes, I was hospitalized multiple times. And I was thinking, what? It's just... I was hospitalized 14 times in six years. So when I had my break, I was 53. I not only had never been mentally ill, I had never taken an antidepressant or an anti-anxiety medication because I never needed to. And my diagnosis is bipolar. People, I'd say, well, you know, I, I have psychotic break and, you know, I got bipolar disorder at 53. And they go, no, no, no. You mean you were diagnosed at 53? And I said, no, no, no. I got it at 53. And people who've known me my whole life are, oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. You didn't have anything until you were 53. So, Do yeah. You, and it, and it feels, because, being shown, this was everything that had just been bottled up, bottled up, bottled up, and nowhere to go. Oh, yeah. It was a pressure cooker. I was in an abusive marriage. Uh, my husband spent all, I was making six figures, and he spent it quicker than I could make it. And we had an eviction notice on the door, no food, blah, 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 blah. My mom was in, oh, this is interesting, too. I never shared this with you, Suzanne. My mom was in a nursing home in Cincinnati. I'm living in Los Angeles, having this big, huge life, but with all these problems. And uh, so it was four things. It was money problems. It was uh, abusive husband. I hit menopause. And the killer was my mom became very ill, and she was in a nursing home. And this is so important. For people to hear, this is the power of the spoken word. Do you know how many times I used to say to my mom, oh, God, Mom, I love you so much. If anything ever happened to you, they're going to have to throw me into a nut ward and throw away the key. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Mm. I used to say that all the time. And that's what happened. I can't tell you how many times that door would slam shut. And it was like they were throwing away the key. I was locked inside. And yeah. now I mean, just a complete so tournament. And it's interesting, all that love you held for your mother. And yet in the reading, here she comes admitting all these things that that she was privy to and part of. It's just, it's stunning. And we all know it, how there are parts and sides to people that we just don't show the world. But you can't hide it from the spirit world yeah. and from your well, guides I- who know you so well and are always, always nudging you to healing. Mm. But here's the thing. These are really two important things to say about that aspect of healing. So my dad, all my life, he he used to say not nice things to me. That that is an understatement. Let's not go there. But No, no, no. I'm not going to say anything that he said. But what I, I, I just need to say this piece of it. My dad, four years before he died, I was at an event with my parents. It was a wedding anniversary party. Now, my dad ever said, well, I'm so proud of you for being on this TV show and for being in this movie and for doing stand-up and working for Sydney show. He never said any of that. But I go to my parents' 45th wedding anniversary party. I happen to be sitting next to my father's business partner. He goes, oh, Mary, your father brags about you constantly. He told me you're on Murphy Brown and Seinfeld and you did this and you did that and you do stand up. That man knew every aspect of my life and you're working for Sidney Sheldon. The only way he knew that was my father was bragging about me. And from that moment on, that was a big healing piece for me. From that moment on, I was able to start moving into a place of forgiveness for my dad. 
And my mom, I know the reason I started having a good relationship with my mom was because my dad was gone. And this is something a lot of people don't know, but if you have a lot of anger, say I had a lot of anger toward my dad, right? But I threw it onto my mom because she was the safest one. So I thought that I resented and disliked and all the stuff my mom. And what I realized as I went on in the feeling process is I could dump all those feelings onto my mom because I knew she loved me unconditionally. It took me years to figure that out. So, yeah, I mean, it's been a heck of a healing journey. I've just learned so much as I go along. Wow. It's just incredible. Let's shift gears for the last 10 minutes here. Wow, I can just feel everybody's eyes bugging out. Like this is this is <laughs> profound information. But you know, you talked about in that healing session where you were releasing all that pent up energy at the two men who just treated you so horribly, and sensed their presence, even though you're directing it at a lamp as a surrogate physical form, you knew they were there. But Mary, you've told me that in editing this book with 27 oh. stories of parents who've lost children. Yeah. During that editing, prior to your reading, you actually felt the presence of each child as you were working on oh, yeah. the book. Yeah, so a lot, only seven people whose stories I've told, only seven were really writers. They were not, they'd never, only seven were published authors. 20 of them had pretty much never written anything except a few of them had written articles. And so as I'm going through the process of hearing these stories, they would be they, I'd be looking at the writing and I'd say, oh, don't you mean this happened? And, oh, wasn't that a white flower on the table? And, and these little kids, I mean, I wrote the epilogue. And one of the things I wrote in the epilogue was how all these spirits of kids showed up with me. And when I was writing the epilogue, Suzanne, swear to God, all 27 of them were sitting on my couch with me. They would whisper <laughs> in my ears the things that they wanted me to say. And I would tell the parent, oh, my God, your child is whispering whispering in my ear will remember about this mom and that kind of thing and um there's a really profound thing that happened to me that i I just have to interrupt you mary and say for those of you who may be new to this that may sound crazy but that's what happens when you're thinking about a loved one when you're writing about them even if they don't know you they're going to show up they're going to make sure we get it right i remember doing a reading for a helping parents healing group and the whole the kids were gathered there they marched into the room single file so mary your story this is this is what happens and i love that you're sharing with the parents well they say you know what about that flower that's just awesome oh yeah yeah and I could feel the kid's spirit and I would describe the kid to the parent and they'd be like how do you know that and I said well I feel a spirit with me he's there with me so that was really cool but a really profound thing that happened is when I was living in LA and I'm an actress I would go in these auditions and I would get a callback which is you audition you get a callback it's down to three to five people and then one of them books the job well I only booked two jobs and the whole time I was out there And my acting coach said, you know, I'd say my voice disappears in the crowd. When I get nervous, my voice disappears. So she sends me to this voice coach. She's a dialect coach to stars. She's a really good friend of my acting coach. So she's like, she just wrote about me in her book. And the way she describes it, she said my voice was very tinny and nasally. And she said, it's as if you were being strangled. And so we went down to the beach and did some yelling and screaming. And I got my voice. And my voice dropped an octave. But through the mental illness, my voice disappeared, completely disappeared. So Ah. I'm working on this book. I'm halfway through editing this book, and my voice dropped down an octave again. And I went, oh, by giving these spirits and giving their parents voice, 
I got mine back. You got your voice back. There is so much correlation between the expressions we use about the body and what actually goes on with the body. You turn a blind eye to something and you go go blind in your eye. You know, you, you, Mm -hmm. you finally speak your truth and you get your voice back. It's, uh, it's not a coincidence. By helping, this what's really key about this, Suzanne, though, is I gave their, I give them their voice, and by giving the parent and giving the child a voice, I got mine back. It's beautiful. And then yep. the other thing is, there's another correlation that comes to mind that I'm supposed to say: those who carry around the stone of unforgiveness on their chest often have heart issues, and this is this comes <gasps> up in readings a lot. Oh. So important to get that weight off your chest and literally wow. heal yourself physically as well as emotionally. The, the, the advice from spirit is say it now, do your forgiveness now. So you don't have to find a medium to come back and say it through. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And wow. just, you know, carry forward all of you listeners, just carry forward in your heart and in your spirit and your mind. Anything is healable. Everything is healable. You know, a lot of people, my best friend stuck by my side. I was catatonic. I was psychotic. I was, so I couldn't speak. I couldn't talk. I couldn't walk. I had to walk with a walker. Sometimes I was in a wheelchair. I was so messed up from the mental illness. And my friend and I, we talk about it all the time. And I asked her the other day, I said, how long was I catatonic? You know, I'm thinking it's a few weeks, maybe a month. And she said, oh, Mary, she was at least four months, probably five what? And the other thing, too, that's profound, I couldn't smile for four years, and I couldn't listen to music for five. Now I can't stop smiling, and now I listen to music 24-7. And it you have a playlist, so a special good. playlist you mentioned the other day, right? I do. I call it, I have one called High Vibe, and then I have 70s and 80s, because that's the music I used to listen to with Jerry a lot was from the early 70s. And, um, yeah, and then I have one I call God, which is kind of contemporary Christian music that I also love. And then I have a Beatles, because <laughs> I love the Beatles. But, yeah, the high vibe. Man, you catch yourself in a bad mood, you turn on that high vibe music, and you won't be able to stop smiling. I swear to God. It just totally changes my spirit the moment I turn that high vibe music on. It's taking it's charge of our is- moods and our lives yeah. with positive choices huh yeah and the happy we happier we are the higher our vibrational level is so wow yeah it's very interesting it's again to, stunning to me that working with you last year I I never had mm-hmm. any idea any of this was in your background. So it just, <laughs> that's why we needed to do this show because I know oh, there yeah. are people out there who are holding things inside. And now it's just, now that we've met on Zoom and we talk, the I'm so grateful to Spirit how they, they bring the right people together. So how, what do people mm-hmm. do that need healing right now? I know the answer, but what, what comes to you, Mary? Say the question again. What do anybody who's listening that's been bottling stuff in for years, what is your advice to them? Oh, the first thing I would say is grab a pen and journal, 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 journal. Also meditate. This is something I've found really helpful. I don't like meditating more than 15 or 20 minutes at a time because otherwise I get off into all kinds of stuff that I don't find useful. But 
coming out of meditation, and I I love blank page journals because I'm a Virgo. I want to stay in between the lines, you know. So I get <laughs> colored felt tip pens and I journal. I come out of meditation and I start writing. And then months later, I find my writing. I'm like, wow, I didn't even know that happened, <laughs> you know. But yeah, huh. those are the two things that I think are key. Another thing is listen to really high vibrational music. And by that, I mean music that lifts your spirit and makes you feel really happy. That's what yeah, I just guess. just before the show, I was listening to a song because I love, it was Christina Aguilera. And then when I listened to the lyrics, I said, ooh, this song is a downer. And on a gray day, mm, okay, I'll, listen, I'll allow myself to listen and enjoy Christina for this one song, but we're getting off of that. So it's a choice that we make. Yeah. It is. It is. You know, it really is. Like, I don't, people say, well, is your glass half full or is it half empty? And I always say my glass is overflowing. It's just overflowing. It's just not half full. It's completely full and off the rim. Would you have predicted this? Would you have predicted this a year ago? Oh, God, no. (laughs) No, And yet you, at a soul level, drew this to yourself. We have to give your soul credit for this. Oh, yeah. My soul is cool. And the other thing is, I, I have said this so many times in my life. This is so beautiful. And so I used to say some of the greatest gifts of my life have shown up in the crappiest looking packages, like the abuse, the mental health issues and all that. I said, you know what? I've gotten to a place in my life that packages are no longer, not only are they no longer crappy looking, but they're wrapped in beautiful gold, shiny paper with a great big red satin bow. And that's how I really feel about my life today. You know, it's no longer a crappy looking package, you know. And the thing of it is about the mental illness, um, people find this stunning. I mean, I 30, do. 30 seconds, inter- Mary. Okay. 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 I'm so grateful for my mental illness and the abuse because it's helped me love myself profoundly in a way that I never could without that, without those things having those experiences incredible instead of the woe is me (laughs) victim mentality you're embracing that as look what it brought me to now yeah wow wow thank you so much for coming on and sharing your your healing your story with everyone with such openness thank you thank you thank you Mary Langford, therightmary.com is her website, W-R-I-T-E. You've inspired us so much. That big gift (laughs) is you with the big bow. Thank you, Mary, and thank you, everybody. We'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of a Guided Life podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. 
On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.